Welcome back to the Arcane Dames podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so super excited to introduce a very special guest. We have Lindsay Silverman here with us today, the author of the Intuitive Night Goddess Tarot and the Portent Tarot. She is an artist and an intuitive healer. And we're just super pumped. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love tarot. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. We love your deck. And so do a lot of our listeners. Like, oh. I think we have at least a few solid listeners who are going to be super hyped about this well, episode. And we haven't really announced it at all yet. So that'll be fun for us, too. <laughs> it'll be a great treat. That just means the world to me. Thank you all for enjoying the magic of the cards and stuff and connecting with it. Oh, Yeah. So just as a little like background for those listening and for Lindsay, because this is the first time we're speaking face to face, well, virtually at least, (laughs) each week as we dive into our imagery, the intuitive night goddess tarot has kind of been a pinnacle of content on our show. So um, it's really amazing that you're here because it's something we talk about probably in 90% of our episodes. Absolutely. Um, And we have a Discord community through our Patreon subscribers where some of those people have even bought the deck just because we recommended it so much. And and then we kind of get to share the readings that we do with it and whatnot and how they, how we form a relationship with the deck you've created personally. So it's just super exciting that now that is all accumulating into an episode with you. Y'all are going to make me cry. <laughs> it's like, it's, I just spent a lot of time working on the deck, thinking about how it will connect with people out in the world and to have it live and do its own thing and hear about the relationships it has. is just really magical to me. So thank you. I'm glad you all are enjoying it, but um, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to talk to you both and everyone else listening. um so maybe before because we are going to be talking about the tower today um but maybe before we jump into that card would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself kind of your journey how you got to the point you're at today and maybe also a little bit about the intuitive night goddess tarot and the inspiration for that deck yeah totally um So I was like always like a witchy kid. I dressed up as like the Wicked Witch of the West for like seven Halloweens before I was even a teenager. Um, I think my first introduction with tarot was actually the movie Now and Then, which as I've gotten older, not everybody knows, but it was really formative to me. I love that movie. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. And the tarot, I really connected with it. So I think it was just like something that I was like curious about as like a young witchy Piscean kid, like, you know, all forms of magic and stuff. And I had like a fortune teller tarot reader at my 12th birthday and in high school was still just like dabbling with it for fun. But I don't know, like, when did exactly it become more serious in my life? It was just something that was always kind of on the side and I definitely was stepping forward as an artist first at that point, like into adulthood and things. And I also had a past life in my 20s and working a lot of corporate offices and being very um, 
confined in those spaces, but it was actually one of those spaces I ended up meeting this woman who became my like spiritual mentor for a period of time. And she was the one that got me into healing work and was like, you should go do this. And I got into Reiki. And so at the time that Reiki was happening, my art, I was like in this artist collective and I was seeing both of them kind of finding more space and feeling like I could claim that space. And because of the art, I was trying to be more disciplined. And I was thinking of like, I did like a five days of art and like a hundred days where I had to make pieces every day. And I was like, what is like the next project I can do that would have like structure? Because my mantra when I make art is intuition over intention. I'm a channel. I'm trying to like, Mm -hmm. just let whatever's coming through. And I was like, I think the tarot would be really fun, like a good structure system just for me to like, in my art practice, make something. So for a few years, I was like, would approach it, but I would never really be into the aesthetic and stuff. And I was like, this is a project. Once again, it was just for me, but I was like, I'm going to do this one day. And back in 2016, after I'd started doing some of my energy healing trainings, I went out West and did the solo road trip, camping trip all throughout the Southwest. And when I was um, meditating, like one evening, the vision for like the aesthetic of the intuitive night goddess came to me. (laughs) I had been kind of making some art that was kind of similar, but they were like, this is it. Like, this is it. And the rest of the trip, I was like, Ooh, I can't wait till I get home. And I started working the intuitive night goddess and it was just like pouring out of me. It felt so good. So right. And yeah, it's just art's a lot easier when it's like that. <laughs> um, and so Amazing. I worked on that deck, yeah, for a few years. I was in the basement of an apartment. I was in other apartments. And it was something that when I was making it, like I said, initially, it was just sort of a, a challenge for myself to be like, could I translate the Rider Waite Smith into, I had read this quote that like, when you make your own deck, it's like you're telling your own story. So I was like, what is my story? And at some point, I was realizing it felt really powerful. And I was like, this is something that's going to be out in the world. And I was like, I don't know what that's going to look like. Like it's, it wasn't like, even though I was doing a lot of art stuff, it wasn't like my art was like, I was just doing things. And um, I just trusted that this deck was going to connect with people and be a magic just out in the world. And that I just needed to make it. I didn't need to worry about any of that stuff. It would find its people. That's why you talking about this. I'm like, it has found its people. That's why I want to cry. Yeah. And so by the time I finished it and wrote the book for it, it was over about four years. It was a long process of really just trusting. And I feel like I used to tell people I'm making a tarot deck and they're all like, okay. Cause I said it for a really long time, but I did. And it was something that when I finished it, you know, I, have a lot of feelings about death that are very good. I feel like I have a good relationship with it. But as like a human person, it was like once that death was completed, I feel like I could die and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> but, um, yeah, totally. And so I launched that on Kickstarter and it did find its people. I'm super grateful to the tarot community. Like I'm an independent artist and stuff. And it just made me really trust that idea of channeling and being able to send healing out because because basically when I work with clients, I'm like, I can't heal you. I just hold space for healing to happen. You have to be open and wanting to do your own work. So the deck to me is like offering that space to people to like do their own healing out in the world, which is really cool. And once I finally found its success, it was like the port and tarot just like poured out of me. And there's like sort of the antithesis to that deck. And so I'm still like finding my relationship with that deck. But yeah, the intuitive night goddess is 
basically so many intersections of my life and my passions and my spirituality and magic, like all rolled up into one little cute golden deck. Love it. <laughs> Literally golden yeah. with the gilded edges. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It was, it's important to me. Incredible. <laughs> anyway, I, I think that answered your question. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I just, I do have to just say, like, I think it's so admirable that you were able to work on something so consistently for so long and like hold that vision and be so dedicated. I think that it's really hard to not have the instant gratification of like finishing a project. Um, (laughs) Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And also I just, I mean, it makes sense that you spent so long working on it because it's such a rich and vivid deck when it comes to imagery and symbolism. There's so much there, so much to think about and talk about and latch onto. And that's why, I mean, Mel and I, we're both air signs. We're chatty Cappies. We love to think about Gemini moon over here. Me too. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so in these episodes, you know, we really get into into the imagery ideologically and kind of how the pictures that we see can lend themselves to different ideas. And and so the cards that you created are very, very ripe for that, for sure. Thank you. I mean, it was really important to me because I do love the Rider-Waite-Smith, but also feel like I have a complicated relationship with it because it can be so dark or kind of religious or whatever. I'm not, I wasn't always seeing everybody I wanted to see in it. Um, And, but I didn't, I wanted that to be the frame, right? So there's so many Easter eggs within each of those cards that are like lifted from the original, but I was like, Oh yeah. Uh, If you're in like, cause we're talking about revolution, right? The tower, like if you're in that moment, like, it's not like, yes, it's so important to experience our feelings, but also like, what can you offer yourself when you're in that space? And I really wanted the art to also speak to those things. And nature inherently does. It heals us all. So it's just easy to be in such like, I, I now call those spaces my guard, the gardens, or mm. I don't know, I'm working on like an animal companion for this deck. So I've been back in the intuitive night universe, as I'm calling it. <laughs> That's super exciting. And it is, you know, especially with with the way that you've reimagined the Major Arcana, it's so, it's such an empowering take on the traditional Rider-Waite-Smith cards that can sometimes feel um, less than empowering. I think the way that you have renamed and depicted these cards as, I mean, they're all women or non-binary people in super strong, powerful positions, whether they're doing something physical or spiritual, it just, it feels so different while still really getting at the heart of the cards that we all know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hard stuff happens, right? We can't pretend it doesn't. I I feel like Mm -hmm. I love shadow work. Everything is shadow work. Well, like, yep. Let's make it a little fun, <laughs> a little I, sweet. <laughs> literally, and that's like that's what I. That's just what exactly everything that I love about this deck so much because it's not sugarcoating anything. It's not you know spiritual bypassing. It's not love and light washing it out. It is fully leaning into it, but it's just giving you back your power right as you're going through it. We're the only ones who can, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that really leads into actually 
the biggest question I have for you, which is like, at what point in the journey of conceptualizing Intuitive Night Goddess did you know that you wanted to rename and reimagine the concepts of the major arcana? Was that always integrated in your creation journey? Or is that something that kind of came after you realized you wanted to make a tarot deck? So I guess when I initially started like being like, oh, I'm going to make a tarot deck, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to rename the cards. But when I started working on this particular deck, I was like, I I like The Fool. I think The Fool is a great card and it's a great title and a great space to be in. But I do a lot of tarot reading. So this deck was definitely also informed by that. And I know how people feel when they get The Fool. They're like, I don't want to be The Fool. I'm not The Fool. And I'm like, yo, it's so great to be The Fool. But that I think just as soon as I started working on it, the language is one of the biggest barriers in like so many ways that we can connect to each other. And it's very unfortunate that that's just what happens. But I just was like, I can't move forward in this deck calling the like the fool. It just, I was like pulled out my thesaurus and started brainstorming some stuff. And so, because that's the first card, it just set the tone for changing yeah. anything else that felt like, yeah, when people get the devil or the tower card, how do they feel? And I also knew I wasn't going to include, even though I don't, gender is a social construct, right? Like I don't even really, mm -hmm. I feel like a gender most of the time. I really connect to the divine feminine and that power that we all have in us. And so I also knew the court cards were going to have to change because of right. that. Yeah. So it was like, it just kind of happened. It wasn't like super thoughtful. It was just, oh, this is what this deck is going to hold, the space it's going to hold. So let's, who cares? Let's change it up. Plus I was doing, whew, I did so much research when I was working on this deck and oh I was looking at tons of other decks and thinking, you know, because thinking about that way we all tell our own story. And I was seeing some title changes in certain decks and I was like, why not? It's like, why not? Anyway, here we are. Well, <laughs> thank you. That's, That's incredible. Totally. Super awesome. And it, it like it is just so magical. And I hearing you talk about it is just really cool for me because this is a deck that I've loved for years and that I've connected with so deeply for years. And so hearing you talk about it and say all of the things that I think and feel when I work with the deck is just like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> I have truth bumps. <laughs> yeah. Dude, magic is cool. More people should get into magic. Life is better. Oh my god, absolutely. Right, I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna chill. <laughs> we love it. I have a couple of specific questions about your deck, but I think I want to save those until we talk about revolution more specifically. So I'm thinking oh. let's talk about the tower. Yeah. Um, and then we can get into talking about revolution. Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds great. I'm I'm loving this. All right, awesome. Yeah. Also, like cliffhanger no. <laughs> for real. Yeah. Dun dun dun. Oh my god! Yeah, totally. <laughs> Literally. Okay, so the tower card number sixteen in the major arcana. As our listeners know, we are doing the darker themes in the tarot this season. Um, so this is our final major arcana of the season. Um, and the other two were death and the devil and the devil. Um, so the tower is arguably 
often referred to as the worst card in the deck, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, People get very afraid of it. There's certainly a little bit of a stigma around it. And I mean, rightfully so, right? It's quite literally a tower being struck by lightning. But it's that chaos card. Absolutely. It's that chaos card. I feel like chaos is the first thing that comes to mind for me normally when I'm thinking about I it. Have chaos written in my notes like four to eight <laughs> times. I love that. that. Yes. I totally. Love but I also, you know, due to my shit show of a life, am intimately familiar with those tower moments. Mm-hmm. And I, I can say firsthand that no matter how terrifying they are, they are always paving the way for such a level up, like such mm. a personal victory that embodies itself in every area of your life. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you, this is just part of the journey, right? You need to embrace the downfall to get yes. to the betterment and the change. Um, so that's that's kind of what I, that's my first impression of the tower when I'm pulling it in a reading. What do you think? Yeah, I am also big on the chaos aspect of it. I very much see when the tower comes up, you know, similar to death in the sense that it's a very significant ending, um, but different from death in the sense that there is this external chaotic component that you don't necessarily get with the death card in the death card moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when the tower comes up, when I'm reading for a client, there's definitely this heavy emphasis on the external piece where something in your actual reality is probably crumbling, whether it's a relationship, a job, um, both, <laughs> all of the above. And some, and because it's a tower, because it's that, you know, cement and bricks, physical building, it's oftentimes something that you've worked really hard to build that is being torn down. And so there's a lot of difficulty with that. And then there can also be this feeling of like lack of control around that as well. It's very quick moving. It's very fast paced. It's a moment and it changes everything. Right. It is definitely the turning point for me. And again, like this isn't one of those cards you pull when you're having an argument with a coworker or tension with your boyfriend at home. This is literally like a life changing event. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, right in the context of like relationship readings, for example, this isn't like you've been dating someone for two months and you kind of like them and you're breaking up. This is the end of a significant relationship that you've been in for a long time that you were invested in. That was your whole life. You know, it's, it's those really, those institutions in your life. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I think that's like even seeing the architecture and the Rider Waite Smith, like Mm -hmm. denotes that institution and the crumbling of that. And that to me, like when the tower shows up, it's like, there is no more trying to fix stuff. It's like, you got to get out. It's over. It's done. Like confront that situation. And to me, it's a very much a Phoenix moment. Like you have to go through that burning to like rise up. That's why the star comes next. I'm not going to talk too much about the star. Cause that's not <laughs> the star of this episode, but um, <laughs> I mean, it is just such a powerful 
I think people are scared because it is very much that fight or flight, right? That's like when you see the people jumping out the windows, plus certain iconography in our culture lending itself to the window. Mm. It's a it's a really intensely visual card, but then the actual, like you both are saying, like the moments that it shows up are when it's like you're maybe the universe has been like, hey, you should change something. You should hey, hey, there's something better. And you're like, I'm going to keep moving ahead. And it's like, no, there's no more ahead. It's over. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's that's scary for people. It's scary, you know, understandably, because when we are building up things, it's really hard to walk away or let go or watch it. end because sometimes we're afraid of what life is without that or what is, you know, the unknown, the unknown is really, and so the death card speaks to that as well. But I like how you guys talked about the internal external. I don't think I've thought about it that much like that. And I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you mentioned the star coming afterward because I love the star and, you know, we do, we do on this podcast talk a lot in terms of the fool's journey and kind of even like within the suits, like specifically how the numbers mm. progress to tell a story. So yes. um, it's very, very relevant that that raw hope it yeah. being yes. the only thing we want to is what comes after knocking apart everything you've ever built. Yes. Yeah. To me, tarot is very much a sedimentary journey that each card is this thread leading into the next. You don't have to think about it that way, but when you look at the whole like deck with that lens of somebody moving through each of these experiences and evolving through them, like this is such a pivotal point because not to get into, but like, whatever, we're on a podcast. Um, but yes. like, you know, they say that shamans are the wounded healers. It's from that experience of having to heal themselves so they're able to hold space and heal for other people. And it's not that I would never, I'm not a believer of like things always happen for a reason, but when they happen, we can always, oh, oh that's so cute. Yeah. Oh, yes. Hello. What's, sorry. I got to say, ask the name. His name is Eclipse. Eclipse. I love that. Hello, sweet. Um, but yeah, I think that it's like in the moment of the tower is where it's like we have to go through those, you know, the death card is the first one, but many like death experiences. And I feel there are many life cycles in tarot, whether it be the whole deck, the major arcana, each individual suit, even ace through 10 or the court cards, where we get to step into these like evolutions of self. And that's why I feel grateful for tower moments, because even though maybe nothing happens for a reason, we're like destined for like, I don't know. I, I go back and forth over that stuff, but I really do. Uh, I am personally grateful for my personal like tower moments in my life and where they have led me, even if they were beyond difficult at times. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think that the star coming right after the tower is so relevant because not just the pure hope, but it's also the the authenticity of it. And the tower really lets you strip away anything that is holding you back or, you know, it's followed by the star, but it's preceded by the devil. So it's, it's that restriction and it's that um, limited sense of self, limited sense of reality that you're kind of trapped in being torn down and, and it hurts. And then you, get to get to this point where you're so much more powerful and beautiful and 
happier than you thought that you ever could be. Right. And I love the vulnerability of the star card too, right? She's completely like unclothed and it's like the fire burns, but also like that is like such an energetically cleansing experience. And sometimes being like, oh my God, it's so easy to be strong, but it's really hard to be like, I need help, (laughs) help. (laughs) And I feel like the tower card sometimes like demands, and that's even, I don't want to talk too much, but like revolution is about community, right? Like you can't just have it by yourself, even though we can experience it solo and stuff too. Like, and the tower, it's not just affecting one person in that scene. You know, there are Mm -hmm. a few people and it's hard when we feel like we're going through things by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've never thought about it, like that there's community within the tower, but there definitely is. <laughs> no, I, I had never thought about it that way either. And that's so real. And that very much makes me reflect on, you know, the biggest moment in my life that I would consider my like biggest tower moment, because I think at that time I was so isolated and had been so intentionally isolated because I didn't want anybody to see me as weak or think that I needed help. And I didn't want people to know how bad what I was going through actually was. And once that tower moment hit, there was no hiding it anymore. And there was no, um, there was no, not, not having the people in my life support me because it wasn't a secret anymore. And so they, they were just there for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The tower is like, get out of there. It's funny because also I haven't thought about this, but like in so many fairy tales, like they, you or like in stories, like you're isolated in the tower. Like that is that you get sent up there and that's a tower card instead of being like, you're, I mean, that's the hermit, right? We get to be in our solitude, but it's good for us. The tower is like, stop. It's bad for you. Get out of there. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Oh, that's awesome. So something we like to do after kind of talking about our own view of the card is read the uh, Rider weight guidebook definition and see kind of how it compares. So it reads the tower, misery, distress, ruin, indigence, adversity, calamity, disgrace, deception, which, yeah, you know, yeah. Then we have reversed. According to one account, the same in a lesser degree. Also, oppression, imprisonment, tyranny. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I, how do you see it reversed? In, I struggle with how to read this card in reverse. <laughs> Low-key, like, this is one that it, it pops out upside down, and I'm like, eh, it's just the tower. Yeah. <laughs> it's already it's already bad. So what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like there, it's interesting. It's a celestial degree because if, if to me, it feels like it's aiding and easing the tower because it's just shaking everybody out. It's like salt shaker yeah. and stuff where you might be able to flow versus that fight where it's like, it takes a lot of work to be like, I'm going to jump out of this burning building. It's sort of like a pick your poison. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I could see the reversal and, and also for everyone, cause this is probably one of the number one things I get emailed about is like, I do believe in reversals. I just didn't write any in the book because I wanted you to come to your own intuitive conclusions. But, yeah. um, the tyranny in the book is interesting considering it comes after the devil and it's like that we get put into these situations and that the tower is often something that's like beyond our control. And that's part of what's really frustrating about going through the experience is like, you don't have any control when the tower shows up, things are just unfolding. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I, I feel like I see it a few different ways. You know, there's sometimes when the tower comes out in reverse, it's like a feeling of like inner chaos. So upright, I, I see like a lot of external circumstances and in reverse, sometimes it's more like you just feel really out of control and like, you don't understand what's going on with you, but it doesn't necessarily have that external implication. Um, but a lot of interpretations that I've seen or read, I guess, on the Tower Reverse talks about, like, avoiding catastrophe mm-hmm. or avoiding, like, yeah, like a difficult ending or, or a chaos of some sort, which I think is really interesting. And then when I was uh, reading in my favorite books for today's episode so rachel pollock said a lot of amazing things in 78 degrees of wisdom about this card but one of the things that she said about the card in reverse is that the reversal is shielding the tower from the lightning right so in one sense it is avoiding the catastrophe but in another sense She says, by shielding the tower from lightning, we become its prisoners. So it's almost like you need this tower moment so bad, but you literally are doing everything in your power to keep it from happening. And so you're staying trapped. So it's like avoiding it, but also making it worse at the same time, which I really love. That quote is great. And I really appreciate you sharing that because as you were talking, I was thinking about how lightning inherently is seeking grounding, right? It's always looking for the earth and it's finding the earth wherever it can. And for my deck, usually when things are reversed, I'm like, oh, you're probably experiencing this, but not feeling grounded in your power, like grounded in yourself because inherently the person is ungrounded. But what you're saying, I'm like, if you're not letting that lightning find its space, like connect to the earth, which inherently is going to take you with it, um, you're not going to be able to get into that like deeper inner space with yourself if you're just trying to be like, Woo, just missed it. Woo! <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <Or something>. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, that's OK, but what would have been on the other side? It's so funny to... Um how the way we've curated the cards this season kind of lead into one another because our last episode was um, Seven of Swords. And like when you were doing that movement, like, ooh, like dodging the lightning, I was literally thinking of the Seven of Swords, like getting away from something, right? Yeah, let's see. Sneaky and trying to Seven of Swords is like ultimate low-key energy for me. Like like chaos, like mischief. You're like, tee tee so yeah, like, right. you saying <laughs> that is totally like yeah and it's like are you really winning that battle though that's what i want to ask the guy the seven of swords exactly <laughs> Where, how far does this really get you are you just having fun right dude i love tarot so much right <laughs> like i just there's so much to always unpack and i think it's amazing that There's so many, even as we lay our decks out in front of us, different images and perceptions of this one moment that all of us understand and will inevitably experience. That part, I'm like, wow, they really captured that human experience. (laughs) Right? Yeah. It is. And it's really, it's, yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool that we can do a whole podcast where we talk incessantly every single week about this one text essentially right um mm-hmm. you know 
talk about way cooler than the Bible. Way, way cooler than the Bible. <laughs> way more to say about Carol. <laughs> <laughs> about an underrated yeah. <laughs> That's so real. Do you have anything else about how you see the tower or how you've read the tower? Um, I want to talk a little bit about what Rachel Pollock said about the tower upright now that I've brought her up in reverse. So there was a section and this is kind of getting at what we already said, but it's, it's great. And I need to highlight it. So she spoke about the tower kind of like Lindsay, what you were saying about this card when you first started talking about it, that it's like this moment of maybe you don't want to pursue that change. Maybe you're getting some kind of inkling that there needs to be a change, but you're not letting it happen. And then it just happens. Um, So she says, if we cannot free ourselves peacefully, then the forces of life will arrange an explosion. She says, I do not mean to imply that we in any way enjoy the painful experiences that shake us loose or that we can see the beneficial ends from such means or even that the process always results in freedom. Very often a series of disasters or a period of violent emotions will cripple a once strong personality. Mm-hmm. The point is only that given no other outlets, the unconscious will erupt all around us and that we can use this experience to find a better balance. So I really, I love that passage because I think it, it's really real about the tower being a negative moment in our lives as much as us as like people on a spiritual path oftentimes are like, it's this huge moment of catharsis and and there's so much potential there. And, And we know that that's true from our personal experiences. And oftentimes the tower is a moment that brings us to spirituality in the first place, but It's very real about the pain that's there. And it's also very real about the fact that the tower in and of itself isn't, isn't the freedom. The tower is not the hope. The tower is not the liberation. The tower is the difficult part. And there's just the potential for that liberation. And there's still more to be done to get yourself there. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so I, I really liked that. Actually, that conversation is reminding me of a poem I wrote. So if we can sit oh. here and offer silence for a little bit, I'd like to find it. I'd love, I'd love that. that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I've written two books and I don't remember which book it's in. So that, that's going to be a trip, but <laughs> talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah. No, but I feel like revolution like is very much, it's the time range that you just Got to fight. And the thing about, like you were saying, like, it's painful. Yes, that is so real. But as I step into myself spiritually more and more, I really, even though I live in a world where I'm like, there's definitely bad that's happening. And there's good that's happening spiritually within myself and my experiences with the universe. I get more and more to the place of things aren't good or bad. And trying not to like assign that to it. And that has, I think, brought a lot of ease into my relationship with the tower. And when those moments arrive, because I'm trusting that I'm always where I'm supposed to be. So even if this is really hard, even if this does really hurt, like, that's okay. That's okay. Sometimes we're going to just feel that way. That's the hardest part about being human is like all emotions are fleeting. We're not always going to feel good. And it's like, I don't need to judge 
myself on top of going through something really bad. I love that because part of my spiritual journey, especially has just been that like radical acceptance, like almost like, like a lot of the things we go through can be morally neutral. And then that eliminates so much of the shame and the alienation we mentally put on ourselves. Like you, like good and bad things literally happen to everybody. And just instead of sitting there like sleepless night after sleepless night, wondering what did I do to deserve this? Is this, am I essentially being punished? Right. Because another huge thing we talk about is like breaking down those Catholic, ideologies we were raised with like mm-hmm. i feel that i'm jewish by the way yes we love that <laughs> <laughs> i know so that's a fun different perspective for us because yeah, yeah we were both raised very catholic yeah <laughs> cool um, I, I sensed that when you all started talking about the bible the way yeah. you were like we're we're good on the bible we're good <laughs> <laughs> i'm all set yeah. <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you oh my gosh no <laughs> But um, Alyssa and I are probably very familiar, both very familiar with that feeling of like, okay, something bad happened to me. That's a punishment. Mm -hmm. Like I brought this on. And I feel that making those events in your life more in the gray area instead of black and white is just a really transcendent spiritual experience and also just so much better for your mental health yeah and and there is there's something so powerful about accepting the fact that no matter what given any like circumstances in our external or internal reality that we could change there are always going to be quote-unquote bad feelings there's always going to be um things that are unpleasant to experience that don't feel good. There's always going to be pain and there's always going to be suffering in the world. Um, I think that for a really long time, I could not accept that like very simple, very basic fact. And I had a lot of anxiety that I didn't know was there that made me like act out in different ways because I was like nothing's okay no one's okay like I'm not okay bad things happen that's not okay like we have to fix everything and there's a lot that needs to be fixed (laughs) certainly Mm -hmm. um but I think being able to make peace with just like reality and the fact that every time you know, this is something we've talked about in like a a previous episode too, that like in any relationship, you know, you're going to hurt the other person, a friendship, a romantic relationship, a family relationship, whatever, like connection almost always involves pain. And so just kind of being able to baseline accept that has really transformed a lot for me. For sure. For sure. Um, So I found this poem. So this is essentially, you asked me if I had any more thoughts on the tower, and this is essentially like wrapping it up, right? I didn't know my hands were tied until they were freed. I I read the lines worn into my palms. They told stories I could never write but keep reliving. I felt the sickness leaving my body. I cried as it ran for the hills. The tears collided with my smile, blood pooling in the cracks of my teeth. That's what they don't tell you about getting better. There's nothing waiting for you on the other side of survival. Clearing the wreckage is only the beginning. 
you have to meet the empty ground and break it. You have to rebuild. Oh my God. I love that. Whoa. That was really good. And it does the imagery Were you not, you weren't thinking of the tower when you wrote that you just, no, I just it made feels the like a tower now. star 100%. Right. Because it's also part of the tower. What you were saying about it being the very moment, everything falls apart. The hope isn't there yet. Yeah. Yes. But accepting that getting yourself back to the point of being able to have hope is the only way to move forward. Exactly. Mm It's part of going through that process. Like it's before you even grieve what you Mm -hmm. once had. It's before you even really understand that your life needs to change. It's like, I'm literally only going to stand up and pick myself up from this. If I believe that I can build something new. Yeah. Otherwise you're still stuck in the tower moment. Yeah. So I, I almost feel like that's the half step between the tower and the star. Yeah. I think that that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Your writing is really good. Thank you. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. God. <laughs> it's just a silly little, a silly little thing, but it made me think of the tower. So that's awesome. Not a silly I, thing. Was good. You should do that more. <laughs> you should read poems on the podcast more. That was really, really? Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was really good. (laughs) Maybe you should. It's I just want to say I saw your reaction and you can this could be off the record or whatever, but like I know how it feels when you make something that's so close to your heart. And well, maybe this is not off the record because this is how I felt with making my deck too. It's really Mm -hmm. scary to share yourself because it's like this is something so special to me, or it's a part of who I am. And as soon as you bring it outside of yourself, people get to say whatever they want about it. And it's being like, that doesn't matter because the people that are meant to hear it, that's what matters. And like hearing your words, like they felt really powerful. And I think like, yeah, there's no, unless you feel like, I don't know, as an artist, you'd be like, this is total trash, but there's something really powerful to sharing, especially when you're channeling such beautiful words and let yourself step into the title of poet more mm. poet on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That was corner. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to cry. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> more art and magic in the world, please. <laughs> love it oh my god i'm so happy right now okay talk about something else (laughs) um well i think we should jump into talking about revolution because we've dipped our toe in and i have a lot to say so Mm -hmm. before mel and i weigh in would you just like to introduce your card a little bit totally um revolution yeah this one was interesting to depict because as you guys said at the beginning of the podcast i do think that this is the problem i don't want to say the worst card but maybe the hardest card of the deck even though there are a handful of cards that are really difficult um and so when i was making it i was like the tower just also didn't feel like the right title because it was just not thematic to like what was happening in a lot of the cards, but, you know, definitely like part of the Easter egg type of stuff I was including, like there's lightning 
But I also mm. made one of the lightning bolts come out of her hand because I was like, we get to channel and like claim, like we can be, I don't know if y'all are Avatar fans or not. I might be alone, but maybe some listeners are. There's yeah. ways you can work and channel lightning. And the, the tower's on the flag in the background, but I liked putting on this idea of the white flag almost as this moment of surrender because I think surrender is really important when we're going through this. Like I am a person that's like not going to be without agency or advocate for myself but i like to flow in the path of least resistance because usually it brings me to places i'm meant to be so i liked even though she's like up on this mountaintop on the summit i feel like she you know she's holding this flag she's channeling the lightning i imagine her speaking to all these people that are down around her like the flames are coming up at her feet like who knows what's going on in that scene she's Mm -hmm. out looking you know we talked a little bit about like the tower isn't where we find out what's next but she is looking forward a bit to what's next and also looking out for her community and out for herself and even though this is like a really scary place to be like we are strong enough to endure those flames at our feet and to be willing to show be a light or a showcase to others that like we can dismantle things and it's okay and sometimes appropriate to dismantle things and on her little like summit mountaintop that she's on you know this is a lot the whole deck is lifted from like um vintage like lithographs and engravings and i feel like i don't remember exactly with her but this there's a lot of illustrations i have of joan of arc i just think it might be her because of the chain metal that she's like male that she's like wearing on her body and this idea of like you can have protection during this moment but also Mm -hmm. the skirt like be a little free and then the plants that are on there are columbine which at the time i was not very familiar all the plants were picked just intuitively. Um, And as far as spiritual meanings, I still am not sure about Columbine, but in my day job where I work as a gardener, because I was like, I should start gardening more. I'm like making all these plant scenes. I want to actually be living amongst plants. And I used to be in the city and now I'm upstate. Columbine is amazing and it actually does get planted into like rock walls and stuff and helps create these like It just is a plant that's like helping bringing you upward. But then they also, I don't know, they're just a cool little plant. People can think about whatever they want about Columbine. I don't have more deep things to say about it other than it's purple. And that makes (laughs) me think of the crown chakra. Uh, So connecting to more of that cosmic consciousness, spirituality, these higher parts of ourselves and things like that as we move through chaos, for sure. It's like, you got to act, but also... I don't know. She has this moment here in the stillness of the card where even though there's a lot going on, like she can take as much time as she wants to decide what she wants to do. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so incredible. <laughs> I oh, so many things. I, <laughs> so first of all, one of the main things that I did want to ask you about was plants in this deck because you use yeah. plants so interestingly. And I'm not a big plant person. Like I said, like I have a lot of air in my chart. I'm not a particularly like grounded human being. (laughs) I try, but you know, it is what it is. But um, I, so I don't know like much about plants at all, but even knowing as little as I know about plants, like there are cards that'll have so many cactuses in the card and, and what that means versus like white flowers or, um, I just, I get so much from the plants, even not knowing too much about them. So I have always wondered (laughs) if you had what your intentions were with, with using. Perfect. You are my 
plant lover, non-knower that was just like me when I made this deck. It was all really intuitive. I mean, color play, because I do work with color. I do, I'm an energy healer. So I work with chakras a lot and thinking of those as like a roadmap for ourselves to like check in and do work like that had importance and like cacti. I was like, of course you're going to be used with purpose. Look at you guys. And every plant, depending on their structure and their energy, like that's how I like to work with like plant stuff. And even right now when I'm working on the animal deck, because one of the second biggest questions I get probably emailed to me is like, what plant is this? Why didn't you include this in the book? And in retrospect, I would have put a lot more in my guidebook that I would, Mm. you know, if I make a new one, maybe I'll include more but I'm like keeping track of all the plants for the animal deck, but I'm not picking any of them with any specificity. It's the same thing where it's just like, I'm channeling. If you're going to be called in, this energy is what this card is calling for. I trust that that plant is speaking to me to be included with reason because there have been times where people with more plant knowledge are like, Oh, it's cool. You did this. And I'm like, I don't know. I did that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's so yeah. that's so powerful and like just magical and wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled to hear that. That's so fun. That's awesome. Yeah. But now that I'm gardening, I am learning more. And I, I do know a little bit more about <laughs> love know. it. It's all a process. That's that's yeah. super cool. I um you know, this is super off topic, but kind of similarly, I recently started a job at like a it's a food access organization, but it's in a very rural area and we do a lot of food recovery with like local farms so it's a very farm heavy plant heavy job even though like I do our PR so it's not like I'm for the most part not like out there farming but everyone I work with is farmers and, and it's a very cool very like grounding experience to be so um involved with like the earth literally and also like something as basic as food um I've just found it to be really helpful for my like little ditzy air sign self <laughs> in grounding right yeah. totally. well that sounds like a great job and I love that you're doing that but yeah being actually just hanging out with nature hanging out with the earth it like they say you rub dirt on your skin and it like helps your like hormone levels and it helps your like brain like serotonin levels and stuff Touch oh some God. dirt, everybody. Get I outside. Catch me <laughs> yeah. in the garden under the full moon rubbing dirt on my <laughs> Just roll around. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, I need that. <laughs> Plans <laughs> after this episode. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Oh, that's awesome. And so, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. And then the other thing that you were talking about with this card that I really picked up on and love is that you mentioned the way that the lightning is in her hand too. And it's kind of like wrapped mm-hmm. around that stick of the flag and this idea of like channeling lightning and the power of that. And um, I love the reimagination of revolution um, for so many reasons. I'm, you know, an Aquarius son. I've always had this just like intense sense of wanting to change the structures in our world that are wrong and that are oppressive. And I am such the little like Aquarius stereotype of the rebel and this girl on the rock with the flag in the air. Like that's me. Like I just, I relate (laughs) to her so much. And and I love that. And I'm always like 
I'm like, let's disrupt everything. Like, burn it down. It yeah. needs to be down. Um, yeah. The so that needs is the tower. It needs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's so good. But so I love her. Um, I love her, like, channeling that lightning herself. It's, it's so empowering. And it also reminds me. And Mel, I know you're probably going to know what I'm talking about, Lindsay. I'm so sorry to break it to you that Mel and I are both huge Swifties. Um, That's okay. <laughs> and so I'm going to talk about Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay. yeah. um, so... You know how she just had that super rainy performance in the in the thunderstorm. Did you see any of the clips of her? Uh, how it clapped thunder right as, or like there was a big strike of lightning behind her right as she sang "Fuck the Patriarchy." No, <laughs> it was so incredible. Like Taylor Swift yeah. in this huge auditorium, it's pouring rain. She screams "Fuck the yeah. Patriarchy," and the lightning just like goes. And I mean, she was channeling so much. I'm sure. Right? <laughs> like it was yeah. so good, and that's what. That's what this card is making me think of right now with her holding the lightning in her hand like that. It's just like, yeah. right? Yes, it all, it's all connecting for me. I, you know, conceptualize my life through Taylor Swift. No, I love it. And <laughs> Lindsay, you're right. Like, think about the energy raised by 70,000 people in a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Think yes. about what, you know, she as the performer can do with that. You know, yes. like, Oh my gosh. I get these things. Oh, sorry. No, I was just, I get these things I call truth bumps. They're just goosebumps. But while you were saying that, it was like my whole body felt electric. (laughs) Right. Yes. Like that's why people get so emotional at concerts. And I will be getting very emotional at our concert. Oh my God. (laughs) Congrats. Thank you. I I love that very much too because my business name is Cooperative Magic and I'm like very into the idea that anytime we're all like working together toward a collective goal like we're doing magic together and it's I like ripped that little name from the magicians the sci-fi show um I I, like am weirdly obsessed with that show but um (laughs) they talk about cooperative magic as like a specific type of magic and i'm just like yeah i love that that's me um but that's what that makes me think of too like the idea of that many people in a stadium together screaming fuck the patriarchy that's cooperative magic it is it is oh my god incredible so okay and then i'm sure i'll see that on my tiktok like tonight yeah, it's like I keep trying to get out of the Eras tour, and they just keep bringing me back. <laughs> You're meant to be a Swifty too. Yeah. Oh, you'll see it. <laughs> I'll send it to you. Yeah, okay. yeah. Also, I just think that there's something so just incredible about the metaphor of revolution for the Tower card because revolution inherently is you know, throughout history. And even as we think about it today, it is a messy process. And I think, you know, this is something that I think it's like brought up in leftist discourse a lot is this conversation about, you know, how we go about making the change that we want to make and who pays the price for it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
oftentimes it's easy to get caught up in wanting to tear everything down and be really reactionary and kind of have very like aggressive and sometimes like violent um, feelings in response to the violence that's enacted on us, right. From, from oppressive systems. But yeah, sometimes to an extent where it gets like romanticized. And I think that having revolution be the tower really exemplifies that there's something inherently dangerous in that moment as well. And that revolution is, um, it just really has that same duality that the tower card carries of being dark and dangerous and painful, but also so necessary and holding so much potential. Mm -hmm. It's such a, it's such a big like societal parallel to our individual lives. And I just, it's it's perfect. (laughs) That's so good. That's the essence of it. And I, what's peaceful to me about your depiction is Mm -hmm. this figure in the card. It's, eliciting her voice of dissent yes not everybody else's not you know so it's like it's reminding you that you make the decision about how you're going to you know bring this theme into your own life Mm -hmm. you make the decision about you know politically what organizations you're going to align with what you're going to do on a bigger scale what community you're going to find but ultimately like it really reigns in everything and quiets all the noise for me looking at this image Mm -hmm. because it is so like internal yeah like I I feel like I have the power I have the power to find that change yeah and I I love that you use the word peaceful because I think that there is something so peaceful about this card and like you said Lindsay almost this feeling that like she can take as much time as she wants to figure out where to go next even though there's like chaos happening around her. It's like this like moment. Of right. Right. And that is, it's like sometimes the outside world will be chaotic, will be beyond our control, will be forcing us into situations that we don't want to be in or aren't safe for us or demanding too much of us. But that's like a sort of the theme throughout like the entire, entire intuitive night goddess is where can we call in more moments of meditation for ourselves to ground, to orient, to connect so that we can like best help ourselves work through something hard, like the tower of revolution. And that it is this thing that we get to have a voice in a relationship. in, even if it feels like the only thing I can control right now is myself, which ultimately in life is the only thing we can control. So get used to it. No, (laughs) but we can, it's important to remember also that we can use our voice in these times where it's like, just the tower and revolution is like enough is enough. Like it's, it's time for something new to be happening. And that's, it's to me really important to remember that versus like you're talking about that sometimes when the tower arrives for some people, if we don't have that moment of hope, how can we move through the card? And that's what a lot of the cards I wanted to be like, acknowledge what you're going through, but also, yeah, maybe I'm like, there's always hope. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, I can't live in a world where I don't believe that because it's so fucking dark in this world. 
Right. Truly. <laughs> yeah. That's so real. That is so real. <laughs> I I love that. I think that's incredible. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Okay. I. This is like a side note from the tower, but I have been dying to ask you ever since we did our death. Um, episode yeah. because there's so much cool symbolism in that card but I noticed and like openly wondered in the episode if you included the sickle as like a little nod to like taking down capitalism in the death card <laughs> and I wondered I'm on the podcast so now I'm like maybe the listeners are wondering if we need to know yeah. Okay. If you know me in real life, I'm always like, I hate capitalism. Fuck capitalism. This is the worst thing that the globe has decided to do to everybody. Why do we live in this fucking torturous, uh, worst timeline? So <laughs> I will say you were the first person to say that to me. And that's probably one of those subconscious things. I mean, I definitely was like referring to the Reaper and stuff, but like, yeah, like, dude, let's stay strong together and like dismantle because capitalism. You had the- <laughs> Whatever, like the Grim Reaper has. What's that yeah. called? A scythe. They, there was a scythe, yeah. but there was yeah. also a sickle. And I was like, <laughs> Honestly, it was probably just the source material. Like, that was my favorite scythe that I found. And then, yeah, my spirits were like, Comrade. I mean, I yeah. come from those roots, like, and I'm still there. So, like, let it, if so you can, we can say it now and here and now, like, death to capitalism for sure absolutely <laughs> incredible i love that that's so yeah, funny though it. thank you for sharing that i'm like i gotta look at the cards more but that was the death card is one where i intentionally used a plant i will say just go back to the plant conversation because i love Ooh. the dandelion how mm-hmm. it's like when it's alive we're like you're a weed we don't even want you even though they're like good they're good what's a weed you know Cap- colonialism um <laughs> but uh in its death state is where we are like, wow, I can put my intention, my wishes into you and send you out into the world. And I'm like, what if we treated death a little bit more like this thing that frees us and expands us versus like, um, yeah. Anyway. So that's why the dandelions are in there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. I love dandelions. <laughs> Me too. I get excited yeah. when they pop up. I know. Yeah. They're so cute. Incredible. Um, where do you want to talk about other imagery from here? Sure. I guess we'll start with you, Lindsay. Um, do you have any other depictions of the tower card from other artists or anything you've seen that you really resonate with that you really oh. enjoy? Of the tower. I feel like I witness tower moments. Like sometimes I'll just see things happening in real life or on a show. Or even I said it the other day to someone, I was like, oh yeah, that's their tower moment. And they were like, what are you talking about? And then I had to explain the card (laughs) and stuff. It is something like, I don't actually read that many like other decks. So I don't, can't like call out any specific imagery, like off the top of my head, but definitely within real life, I feel like I just witness tower events and like, more than some of the other cards will like call them out as such. I'm trying to think of like an art piece. I think that like exemplifies the tower, but all that's coming up is like Goya's the nightmare. Yeah. I love that because yeah, that's honestly a main thing we do on the podcast is relating events in our lives to the cards. And mm-hmm. Alyssa and I both have a couple of pop culture 
um, tarot cards in front of us that similarly, you know, have depicted the tower through a real life or a fictional experience. Yeah. Um, So I guess I'll roll into that. Um, I created a major arcana only deck um, based on the reality TV show, Jersey Shore. Uh, okay cool cool and so is so fun you can do whatever you want right (laughs) exactly but for anyone listening that may be as obsessed with jersey shore as i am the tower card is the note dun 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 and that is a huge moment in the show where basically two roommates who are dating ron and sam um ron's cheating on her and the roommates don't know what to do about it. So two of them, Jenny and Snooky, get together and write an anonymous note to Sam about these activities. <laughs> and it obviously blows up the whole house because um, they didn't know if, like, the producers planted it or if it really was coming from someone else in the house that was just too much of a pussy to put their name on it. Like, right. whatever. So it was a huge turning point in the show. It was a huge turning point in their relationship. I picked it for the tower. I love it. I think it's so incredible. <laughs> I also love listening to you that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, it's, there's an audience for that deck. Can I see <laughs> you have the art done? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Wait, I what just... does the art look like? Oh, so it's just literally a illustration. Oh, of the I note. see. That's so but funny. The note goes along the lines <laughs> yeah. of, "Give it to us, Alyssa." Ron made out with two girls and put his head in between a cocktail waitress's breasts. Also, was grinding with multiple fat women when you left crying at clutch. Ron was holding hands and dancing with a female and took down her number. <laughs> Like that's cool. literally what the note says. So that's yes. you know the art. Right. The art. Yes. Amazing. So I good. love it. I was really into the Jersey Shore in high school, so that took me back. Is that did she leave after that? No. She left for a little bit. Um she came Tower back. Moment. She came back. Um to stars renewal and rebirth, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Um, And then my other one, which is just self-explanatory, this is from an independent creator um, that goes by Bobby's Tarot Decks on Etsy. Mm -hmm. This is the Golden Age of Horror deck. And for the tower, he used Godzilla. (laughs) So it's good, right? Do you guys just feel like Godzilla was misunderstood, though? That that illustration is amazing. That's really (laughs) funny. Yeah, totally. I just always like, dude, like he was just trying to live his life and the government and military were just like, we right. don't want you. And it's like, he was, you know, whatever. We all get villainized sometimes. Yeah, totally. But that illustration's hilarious. That's a great one. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love the pe- the people. Running away. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Incredible. What do I want to talk about with the tarot? Well, give us your pop culture <laughs> one. Tower, I mean. Um, Okay, so I have the Taylor Swift tarot deck. So for the tower for this card, it is the moment that Taylor is receiving um, the award. Oh that my god! Conway then yes. snatched the mic um, and said, "I'm gonna iconic. let you finish." Well, <laughs> she said, "I can't." <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, 
a moment in history that will not be forgotten. Yeah. I I I think it's a good ter- uh, tower moment. It is. Um I think that it's yeah, it's it's the clear choice I think for Miss Swift. It's kind of funny like I was getting a little hung up on the fact that death in this deck is reputation era but the tower comes after death but the tower is a moment in taylor swift's life before death and that was like really tripping me out but i think i'm just thinking too hard about it yeah yeah but i i definitely like that the tower moment is like so early in her career too because it is only number 16 in the major arcana there's so much that happens after the tower and it was the same thing for Taylor. There's so much that happened after that moment instead of being, you know, something that ruined her career in any capacity. In a lot of ways, it kickstarted or elevated her to like a whole other level of stardom. So, right. So in some ways, it's kind of a really cool choice for the tower, like to yeah. be like, just like, I'm always like, give me some softness, like that idea that. Yes, she, like, did go on to do lots of good stuff, and that wasn't just the end for her, even though that was, like, a horrible moment. Like, what? Exactly. Exactly. And she and she did. She really, I think, leaned into authenticity after that in a big way as well. Yeah. Or as much as you can when you're, you know, that big of a celebrity. But she definitely met it with a lot of, um, you know... I, I think vulnerability in a lot of ways, which was really cool and, and is very much the tower. I think well. that's the fire of the tower and like the lightning is that it does burn so much away. So you really are only left with yourself. None of the mass or like the things that you're putting out there, like it brings you back to your core. Mm. Once again, that's why the star follows. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Love. T Swift got it. (laughs) Also, you know, interesting you said about the chronology because I'm working in a new deck right now that I'm not going to talk too much about, but it's something that it's like thing. It's based on something that happened in a chronology, but then I picked moments non chronologically throughout the deck because I'm like people are going to be pulling pulling cards randomly, like this because I I do think of the character moving through, but I was like it's going to be impossible to do that in the order that things happen. And now you're saying this, and I'm like, some people will find. No, it's okay. I'm going to still do it. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, like, I I agree with the choice at the end of the day. And I agree with you that, like, I think doing it 100% in order would probably mess up your ability to, like, choose the most accurate moment, the most representative moment um, for each card. But it just... I would like my brain was just like no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <For a> minute. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Awesome. Well, I I don't have any other like super stand out imagery. You know, I really love I love all my depictions of the tower so much. There's so much to play with. You know, lightning is beautiful. The idea of a building like burning down is uh, I don't know, maybe I'm messed up for being like, that's so beautiful, but like, it's, there's like so much to work with. Um, oh my God, you should so- see, there's a photograph by this photographer, Stephen Shore, that 
I think you should see one day. I forget the name of it. I think it's like pumpkin patch fire building. If you Google pumpkin patch building a fire, but the image is like taken from like away and you see this old house burning. The flames are just like, this is maybe my tower. I'm going to contribute to this conversation. Um, Love it. So this, this fire is burning. Like this house is burning down in the background. And then in the foreground, there's like a pumpkin patch. And one of the firefighters is like walking around the pumpkin patch, like looking at pumpkins and like collecting pumpkins. And it's (laughs) like, why are you not reacting? Like, why are you doing something? Like things are like, are like done. Like what the hell? Like this building is so on fire. But apparently when, even though the photographer was just driving around and he just saw the scene and was like, wow, I'm going to take a picture of this. It was like a training that the firefighters were doing. So there wasn't any actual urgency, even though the image depicts urgency. And I don't know. There's just some, so like you talking about burning buildings being beautiful, like this is a good one. That's incredible. I love the idea of that. I love pumpkins. I love Halloween heart. Yeah. No, but that's that's really incredible. That's like the tower reversed energy of like yeah. you're falling apart, but you refuse to accept it. Like no, no, no. yeah. Like other things to do. Another, like history making catastrophe happens, and we all go to work the next day. Like that's mm. the energy. Of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Revolution, baby. May we never have to deal like whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay well lovely so any any last thoughts about the tower before we wrap up honestly no I feel like we really got into it and got our hands dirty and I love that we did her justice for sure yes Yes, Uh, I love the tower I hope more people feel less afraid when they view the tower and welcome its energy as the clearing fiery necessity that it is (laughs) It wonderful is. um and just yeah also just thank you so freaking much for joining us Lindsay. this has been so incredible um and maybe just since a lot of people who listen to the podcast are in the process of learning tarot do you have any advice for our listeners who are who are learning Yes, I love reading tarot intuitively and anyone and everyone has the ability to do it. The thing that I would suggest for people that are maybe just starting and are feeling really overwhelmed is memorizing meanings is really limiting because when you're being presented the tarot card, it is just a point of focus for your intuition to gather your own insights. And you always have the truest knowledge and language for your internal symbolism and should trust that over any external definitions of a card. So instead of maybe memorizing meanings, even though I think it's great to get familiar with them, I'd say get familiar more with the stories of your cards and learning the story of your card will help you to be open to interpretation. So you can just look at the card and be like, what is this card showing me? What is this card telling me? And the thing about intuition is that it feels really fake, but affirmation is really important. So the more that you work and see the evidence of insight, you will just inherently become a stronger and better reader naturally, hopefully, ideally. (laughs) Yes, I I love that so much. And thank you so much for saying that. And I, I, th- I want to say, you know, the way that you talked about pulling plants into the intuitive night goddess tarot, I think really like opened something up for me because I've always been so intimidated by using plants 
and their like spiritual associations because it's just so much. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to be able to learn all of that. And to hear you say like, yeah, I just, I just use my intuition and there are intuitive associations with plants and this plant makes sense in the tower because it grows up between bricks. And so that has this association with the tower, like that's so real and physical and material and like logical and simple in its own way. I just, I think that that's so empowering to really have that message of telling people to just literally trust their own intuition and what the symbols mean to them. Like, and me, I yeah. need, I needed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, dude. So we live in a society that tries to separate us from our magic, from our intuition. That's how they keep us trapped in capitalism, right. And many systems. And it's like, important to share knowledge but we all have a base for intuitive like that's the thing i didn't say but like when i was younger i used to think like witches and psychics and mediums were all these people like marked at birth that had special gifts and i was like oh if only i could be like you i just wish i could be like you and then when i started actually training and studying with people i was like damn we all have access to this stuff some people maybe through past life work or current life work have maybe easier access to it, but it's something that's like a muscle that we exercise. And the more that you open yourself up and trust, it's like, who came up with the intuitive spiritual meanings of plants, right? Sometimes I say that, I'm like, just people. And then people are like, yeah, but those people knew stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but they were fucking people, dude. And it's not that I want to ever discredit. Like I like doing my own research and connecting with what, you know, makes sense to me. But I think we all have a vision and story to share. So like, if you've been stopping yourselves, cause that's how I even felt when I started working my animal deck, I was like looking up, I was like, what do zebras mean? And then it's like, well, in this place, they mean this. And in this place, they mean that. And in this, and I was like, all right, I can't listen to any external things, only the internal. So mm -hmm. like both of you make your stuff, put it out in the world. <laughs> Don't be shy. See what happens. <laughs> oh, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> can't promise anything no no one of the to, the different set of advice but the best way to make good art or good stuff is to make bad stuff so like let yourself make bad stuff who cares also yeah. true absolutely yeah i that's very good advice i write as well and i don't i haven't put anything out there in the way that mel has put things out there and um yeah, I, I definitely try to just write bad stuff because you just have to like, let it, let it leave, let it leave your brain, let it leave your fingers mm -hmm. or else you're never going to put anything out And there. that's the tower, baby. Okay. Well, <laughs> If you're not already following Lindsay everywhere, you will be able to find her at all the links in the description of the episode. Absolutely. You'll be able to find us at all the links in the description of the episode. Um, if you're listening to this in real time, when it releases on Tuesday, May 16th, we have a tarot workshop tonight virtually. It is for new moon readings. Yes. So join that if you'd like. Absolutely. The full moon reading workshop was a blast. Um, we're just having so much fun connecting with you guys in the workshops. And 
just every workshop is better than the last. Like Mel and I logged off of the full moon workshop and we're like, that was the coolest freaking thing ever. ever. So, so definitely can't wait to, to get to the new moon workshop tonight. Thank you guys so much. Have a great, thank you everybody. Great- <laughs> and we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Bye. 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 <laughs>